we welcome you to the REST podcast. The messages you will hear have been taken from sessions from past REST conferences. We pray that God will use this message to encourage and strengthen you in your walk with the Lord and your ministry for Him. Exodus chapter number 33 and verse number 12. And Moses said unto the Lord, See thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people. Lord, you gave me a job to lead the people. And you just told me that you're not going to go with us. You're going to send an angel. And so he says, And thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. The Lord, you said, you're not going to go with us. You're going to send an angel. But you haven't said who's going to go. And Lord, I want you to know something. You said to me, yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Well, if that's true, Lord. <laughs> now, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way. Here's the chief desire of his heart right here, that I may know thee that I may find grace in thy sight and consider that not just me, but that this nation is thy people. And he, the Lord, said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, I beg of you, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see my face, or see no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. And it shall come to pass while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in the cliff of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by, and I will take away mine hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. Now we, we looked at this passage last night, and we noted two things especially. Number one, we saw the problems of the people. Where is Moses when all of this begins in Exodus chapter 32? He is on the mountain. He is up on the mountain with God. And as God is communicating to him his law, the Lord says to him, you need to go back down. There's a problem going on. The people have made a golden calf, and they're worshiping, uh, they're worshiping idols. And the Lord said, I want you to know, here's my idea, here's my plan. By the way, you go check on your people that you brought out of Egypt. That's what God said to him. 
And he said, I'm going to destroy them, and I'm going to take you, and I'm going to make of you a great nation. And Moses was tested there, wasn't he? And Moses began to pray. And as he prayed, he reminded the Lord that those people were not his people. That's what God wanted to hear from Moses. Those people weren't his people. The people that we minister to are not our people. They're the Lord's people. We didn't deliver them. He did. If they get to the land, it won't be because of us. It'll be because of him. And so Moses acknowledges this, and he, he, he begins to, to intercede for them. He goes down he, he, into the valley. He, he, he leaves the mountaintop, and he goes down, and when he gets there, he sees the situation, and he's overcome with an awful sense of the sin of the people. And from there, he begins again to, to intercede to the Lord for the people, and he goes out. He'd gone up. Now he's going out. And he's beginning to pray. And we find that it was the problems of the people. And we all deal with people problems. And as I mentioned last night, I think it's important to say it again, the biggest people problem that I deal with is with the people I'm looking at in the mirror, the person, me. And everything Brother Tony said today applies to me. And everything Brother Miller said applies to me. And I need it. I've been there. I mean, I'm thinking, you guys are reading my books, <laughs> the books of my mind. You, you know me, right? And so we find that people have problems, but it is the problems that God used to bring Moses to pray. And so we saw the problems with the people. We saw the prayers of the pastor. There were three things revealed in the prayers of the pastor. We're calling Moses the pastor because he was the pastor, not of the church of the first Baptist of Adullam, but he's the pastor of the church of the wilderness. And, and what his prayer revealed were three things and just, just quick review. We won't even comment about it. Just want to give it to you again, a diminishing sense of the leader's pride. Moses recognized it's not about him. Hey, I'll make of you a great nation. No, Lord, Lord, you, this is your nation. It's not about me. It's not about what, you know, what the other pastors in the area are going to think about my inability to get the people in the land. This is your people. It's not about me. It's a diminishing sense of the leader's pride. And may God help us to experience the greatest death we could ever experience. That's death to self. And it's a continual process. Then we saw in his prayer an increasing understanding of the, of the leader's priorities. He understood that it was his priority to pray for the people. Samuel said, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. The apostles said, we must give ourselves continually uh, to prayer and to the ministry of the word of God. And so may the Lord help us to understand what our priorities are. And that involves us allowing some other people to serve with us. The men in our church, the ladies in our church. And I understand that when we, when we involve people in the work and when we allow them to help us, we put ourselves in a vulnerable position. But if we do, if we do not do that and we try to do it all ourselves, we're going to hit the wall, as Brother Paulie mentioned last night. 
And so there's an understanding of the priorities. What is the thing that I can do that, that is the most effective thing? And that is the ministry of the word and prayer. And through these problems and through these prayers, Moses understood his priorities. And then we saw an, an intensifying passion for the Lord's people. What did Moses pray in, in, in verses uh, at the close of the chapter here in, uh, in verse number 30? Uh, when, he, when he went up into the Lord's presence, he says, And it came to pass on the morrow, Moses said to the people, You've sinned a great sin, and now I will go up unto the Lord. Peradventure I shall make an atonement for you. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, oh, oh, these people have sinned a great sin and have made them gods of gold. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin. And then he stops. And if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book. Now we find that Moses is not in love with Moses. Moses is in love with God, and because he's in love with the Lord, he's in love with God's people. What did Paul say? He said, we're, be, we're, we're, we're willing to be spent for you. Moses was willing to give his life for the people. And the Lord has, lay, has called us to give our lives for the people, to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to give our time, to give our energy, uh, to give of ourselves to the people of God and to the Lord's work. And so we saw the problems of the people, the prayers of the pastor. Now we find that Moses has obtained the pardon for sin. The Lord has agreed to forgive them of their sin, but Moses isn't satisfied there. Moses goes back to the Lord's initial statement or the second statement actually not just the statement of judgment but the statement that after he said okay i'll forgive them he says in chapter 33 i want you to know you're going to go into the land but i'm not going to go with you test number two will we be content to go to the land without the lord Or will we choose the Lord even if we don't get to the land? I remember when I came here, I, I had a lot of thoughts. I had a lot of ideas. I, I just had a notion about what, what needed to be done. And there were some things that needed to be addressed. And I thought, well, I, we're just going to go in here and fix it and and, uh, you know, we've got, a, we've got a place to go. We've got things to do. We've got things to get done. We've got to get to the land. And I found out it doesn't work that way. We can get ahead of God, can't we? We can get so full of ourselves and our notions and our ideas that we think we know what's needed and we don't take the time to spend time with the Lord and allow his desire become our desire. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. That means he transfers his desire into our hearts as we learn to abide in his presence and to delight in him. And Moses makes a great choice. He passes the second test here. He said, Lord, if you don't go with us, then don't take us up. We'd rather live in this wilderness with you than go into the land without you. I wonder, I wonder as we think about the situation in our nation and the direction 
that so many churches are going and, and, and the, the direction, listen, it's not just about what other people are doing, but ourselves, where we get content sometimes with thinking about the land, we forget about the Lord. And we might get the land, but we've left the Lord's presence. And when we get there, what are we going to find? It's an empty land, right? It's an empty land. So I want you to look here as we see the third thing, the promise of the Lord's presence. And this promise came as a result of Moses' continual intercession, not only for himself, but for the people. Lord, we want you with us. We don't want to go without you. What do we need in our churches? We don't need better programs. We need God's presence. And if we have God's presence, then we have all that we need. Because he's with us. I want you to see in verse 1 of chapter 33, and the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt. Go ahead. Y'all go ahead. Go on up. You want to get to the land? Go ahead. It's the land that I promised. I swear it unto Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it, and I will send an angel. Now, angel's not capitalized, is it? I'll send an angel, a messenger before thee. And I will, I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite. And I'll take you into a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. I can't go with you because you won't listen to me. You won't obey me. Hey, if we want God's presence, we have to get back to obedience. I'm thankful for my heritage. I'm thankful for the truth that's been conveyed to me since I was a child. I'm thankful for the positions that I have been taught doctrinally, the convictions that has, have been instilled in me, and, and I pray that uh, have become mine. But it's one thing to know about all this stuff. It's another thing to intend from your heart to obey it. You know, we can have a form of godliness and deny the power thereof. You say, well, we believe all the right things. Yes, but do we do all the right things? Are we being obedient to God? And the Lord said, because you're stiff-necked, I'm not going with you. Now, they could have chosen, hey, we'll take the land. Okay, Lord, thank you for getting us to the land. But that's not the objective, is it? What's the objective? It's getting to the Lord. The Lord who had led them out of Egypt through the sea into Sinai. How did he do it? A pillar of cloud by day. You know, they say it gets 120, 130 degrees sometimes in that wilderness. How are they going to survive? That pillar of cloud kept them. The Lord is my shade. At night, it gets really cold. How are you going to stay warm? Hey, the pillar of fire. God's presence. He meets all of my needs. He's led me out. He's led me through. He's brought me here. And I don't want to go another step without it. I hope in a meeting like this, God helps all of us to evaluate where we are and understand that we don't want to take another step without him. 
Notice that Moses and the people passed the test. Look at verse 4. And when the people heard these evil tidings, what did they do? They mourned. And no man did put on him his ornaments. They learned a lesson when they saw that calf destroyed and ground to powder, and they had to drink it. Verse 5, for the Lord had said unto Moses, Say ye unto the children of Israel, Ye are a stiff-necked people. I will come up in the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. Therefore now put off thine ornaments from thee, that I may know what to do unto thee. And the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by the mount of Horeb. And so here they are waiting on God to take his vengeance, his wrath upon them, to judge them. Verse 7, and Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp afar off and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out into the tabernacle of the congregation which was without the camp. And it came to pass that when Moses went out of the tabernacle that all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. Here they had a looming sense of the judgment of their sin and they see Moses rise up and go out to the tabernacle and they all rise up because they want to see what's going to happen. And they're watching. Verse 9, and it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar, the presence of God descended. Oh, that the presence of God would come down and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. What a privilege. What a privilege. I have friends in this room. When I'm going through difficult times, I'll call them. When I'm happy, I'll call them. When, when I'm sad, I'll call them. But what a privilege it is to be able to talk to God. The God of this universe wants to talk to us. And there's some people here. I, I'm grateful you're here, and I'm excited that you're here. And I don't know you as well. And the only way I'm going to know you is if I talk to you, if we spend some time together. And I'll learn some things about your life, and I'll begin to understand your heart and and what is valuable to you. I'll learn some things about you. Oftentimes, we can develop preconceived notions about people. We might think, well, you know, that guy's so-and-so, or such-and-such, or that lady's, you know, know, this is what I think about her. And we don't really know them. And then when we know them, we discover things about them we didn't know, and our our whole mindset about them changes. Well, you see, here's a people that doesn't really know God. And, he, and here's a man who's leading them who has a knowledge of God, but he doesn't really know God in the way he's going to know God. You know what life is about? It's about knowing God. We're on a journey. And that journey is a journey that God has initiated to bring us to himself that we might know him. We want other people to know him, right? But how can we introduce them, including our church members, to the Lord unless we know him? I'm not just talking about salvation. I'm talking about knowing him intimately. What did Moses pray? Lord, I want to know you. Now, that doesn't mean he just knows about him or he's able to describe him. 
or that he's even had an experience with him. It means that he has communed with him and he has begun to understand who he is and that when we know God, God changes who we are. I've been reading Colossians chapter 1 and 2 lately and the Lord's really put that on my heart about our Christian school. And I was meeting with our staff and, and oftentimes we'll say that the goal of Christian education is to be conformed to the image of Christ. And that if we can test whether or not someone has been conformed to the image of Christ by their behavior. But I, I, I think that, that that's, that's true, but that's not the best. I think the goal of Christian education is this, and I'm not just talking about Christian schools. The goal of Christian education is to know Christ. And if we know Christ, he will change us and conform us to his image. And then our behavior will change as a result of our knowledge of him. Our way of thinking, our attitude, our responses to our spouses, our responses to our children, our responses to our church members will change as God changes us as we come to know him. And so Moses now is talking with the Lord, and the Lord spake unto Moses, get this, verse 11, face to face. As a man speaketh unto his friend. Wow, we can have that kind of intimacy with God. I appreciate what Brother Miller said that the Lord is working in his heart and transforming his prayer life and not that we're just approaching God with a grocery list and and as if he is afar off from us, but that he is intimate with us. He is our friend. He is our redeemer. Imagine this fellowship and communion, this, this conversation as God spoke to Moses. Now, in verse number 12, we find out what they're saying. <laughs> Moses said, Lord, I, I, I'm not going up without you. I, I need you. I need you. I want to know you. Show me, O oh Lord, your way. I can't do this alone. He says, uh, he says in uh, verse number 12, he said, You said to me, bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Here he is acknowledging something. I can't do this on my own. I can't do this without you. And by the way, we need to come to that point, and I know many of us have. And we come to this point time and time again, right, where we acknowledge to the Lord, we cannot do it without him. And so he prays, Lord, show me thy way. Show me thy way. One commentator put it this way, to know God's ways is to understand his manner of dealing with people. Now remember, it's the problems of the people that brought him to prayer. And now he's in the presence of God. He said, Lord, show me thy way. He says, to know God's ways is to understand his manner of dealing with the people according to his divine character. God doesn't love us because we're lovely people. 
1 Corinthians 13 love does not come uh, in our hearts and in our lives because we find people that we are fond of. It comes to us as we learn to love God supremely. And that love that is not based on the merit of the recipient of that love, but that love which is based upon the condition of the heart of the lover. And as the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, then we can love people as the Lord loves them, and we can lead them as the Lord would have us lead them. And so Moses said, show me thy ways. Lord, I want to know you. Paul prayed that in Philippians 3 and verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. To know God means that we can never be what we were before. Knowing him changes us. Moses desired to know God in a way that changed him. And God is changing him. God's going to give him rest. He's going to know him. I think about what Job said. He said, Lord, I have heard of thee with the hearing of the ear. But now what? Mine eyes see thee. I see you like I've never seen you before. Wherefore, I abhor myself. I repent in dust and ashes. Oh, that we would know God, the promise of his presence. Let us not be content to go another day without his presence. Let us not be content to endeavor to do anything for God, uh, to, to, to lead into a new program, to, to start a new ministry, to build a building, to, to uh, <laughs> move forward in any way unless we are assured that God's presence is with us. The promise of his presence. Let's, Look at the last thing, the proclamation of his person. It's pretty interesting because Moses, the more he knows God here, the more he wants to know about God. He's not just satisfied. Well, we're going to get in the land and the grapes are nice and, you know, uh, the, 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 the valley's green and the streams are clear and I can build a nice house and live a nice cushy life and, you know, no, it's, it's more than that. I want to know God. And as he comes to know him, he desires to know him in a greater way. And that was the pursuit of Paul's life. And so in verse number 18, he says, I beseech thee, he asks for something amazing here, doesn't he? I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Lord, I, I want to see you. I want to see your glory. I don't think I can describe that. I, I don't think I can define that. Lord, I, I want to see your glory. I want to see it. I want to see it with my physical eye. Verse 19, and he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Verse 20, and he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there's a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass that while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a cliff of the rock and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by, and I will take away mine hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. 
The Lord said unto Moses, Hew thee two tables of stone like unto the first, and I will write upon these tables the words that were in the first tables which thou breakest, and be ready in the morning, and come up in the morning unto the Mount Sinai. He said, come back up into my presence. Come up. He said, present thyselves, or present thyself there to me in the top of the mount, and no man shall come up with thee, neither let any man be seen throughout all the mount, neither let the flocks or herds feed before that mount. Verse 4, and he hewed two tables of stone like unto the first, and Moses rose up early in the morning and went up to Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him and took in his hand the two tables of stone. And here he is, verse 5, and the Lord descended in the cloud. Oh, that God so loves us and so longs to be with us that the transcendent God became man and took upon himself the form of a servant and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, that we might know him. And now the risen Savior who is in the presence of the Father ever lives to make intercession for us. He's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And every moment that we decide to go up, he comes down. He's always available to us. Moses goes up. He's excited. I'm going to see the glory. Well, you're going to see the back parts. But notice what the Lord does. He stood with him there. Verse 5, and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by, therefore, or passed by before him and proclaimed. It's the second time God says he proclaimed. What did he proclaim? The Lord, Jehovah the covenant-keeping God, the Lord God, Jehovah, Elohim, the covenant-keeping God, the almighty God, merciful, and gracious. Long-suffering. Abundant in goodness and truth. Not some mean ogre in the sky who wants to make your life miserable, but a loving God, a just God, a holy God, a righteous God, a law-giving God, a judgment-keeping God. But Moses, you need to understand something. I am a God of mercy and grace, long-suffering. I can put up with these people in the wilderness. 
I can put up with you. I can put up with the church members. I'm God. Abundant in goodness and truth. Keeping mercy for thousands. Praise God. Forgiving iniquity and transgression for sin. And that will by no means clear the guilty. And by the way, the wrath of God upon sin was poured out upon the Son of God. He became guilty for us. Notice what happens in verse 8. And Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. And he said, if now I have found grace in thy sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray thee, go among us. For it is a stiff-necked people. And pardon our iniquity and our sin. And take us for thine inheritance. And all he did, didn't he? Now I know that I am his, and he's mine forever. Amen. As Brother Miller was speaking, I thought about a picture I saw the other day. It was taken in 1941, in the spring or summer of 1941, in Detroit, Michigan. It was the Trinity Bible class. And in that picture were many of my grandfather. I called him Paul. Many of his brothers and sisters. As I mentioned to you, they were in Missouri. They came to Marion, North Carolina. My grandfather loved Marion, North Carolina. According to him, it was the spout from which the glory came out. But they lived a pretty rough life. He was arrested for impersonating an FBI officer and trying to arrest a man in a bar. I don't know what would cause a man to do such a thing. But it really explains some of my own stupid actions. Apparently they'd had enough of him and his brothers and they arrested him and while he was in jail, somebody came by and preached the gospel, and he got saved. He told me this one night. Not long before he died, when he told me this story, I'd never heard it. He got saved there in jail, and the Lord really made a difference in his life, but it's too late. They drove him to the edge of the county and said, don't come back. And so he went to Detroit, Michigan, and his brothers were already up there working in the auto factories and he met my grandmother's cousin because his brother had married my grandmother's cousin and then he married my grandmother and it just amazing story. They were in the Temple Baptist Church in Detroit, Michigan, 1941 and there's a picture and I saw the picture. People I've never met but they're part of my family. It meant something to me. In that picture was something I'd never seen. A picture of my grandfather's parents. They were in the picture. And then as they pointed out to me, everybody in the picture was several of my grandfather's brothers, some of his sisters. I'd never seen pictures of, of, of many of them. And they began to tell the stories, you know. 
some tragic stories, some, some stories of, of a lot of difficulties and, and a lot of problems. And as I looked at that picture, this is what I was reminded of. I was reminded of the grace and the mercy of God. And I thought, I'm going to heaven, and I'm going to see all of them. And we're going to be together forever. That's our God. And God is communicating to Moses, that's who I am. All you see is the mess, but let me tell you what I do with the mess. I mend it and I cleanse it and I clean it up. And I give those messy, broken people a home in heaven and they're going to be with me forever. And you know what that did for me? It helped me put some things in perspective that I'm dealing with now. Because just in a moment, hey, the, 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 the sufferings of this present world aren't worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. What did Moses want to see? He wanted to see the glory of God. God said, let me tell you how you're going to see it. I'm going to tell you who I am. I'm the God of mercy and grace. I withhold the judgment you deserve. I give you the things that you don't deserve. I'm abundant in my goodness and in my truth. What those people down there need to know, Moses, is they need to know who I am. And so Moses gets a glimpse of the glory of God, not because he saw it, but because God said it. You remember those two on the road to Emmaus? You remember those two? They were walking with Jesus, the resurrected Savior. But they didn't know who he was, did they? The Bible says in Luke 23, their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And he, the Lord Jesus, said in verse 17, what manner of communications are ye are these that ye have one another as ye walk and are sad? And so they begin to tell the story. In verse 21, they said, but we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. And finally, the Lord begins to speak to them, and they sit down together, and he says, Oh, fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses, and beginning at Moses, and beginning at Moses, and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures. You want to see God? I'll tell you how you're going to see him in the scriptures. In the scriptures. Verse 31, and their eyes were open and they knew him. <laughs> and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us, by the way, and while he opened unto us the scriptures? You want to see God? You want to see God's glory? You'll see it in the scriptures. You know what we need to do, fellas? We need to keep preaching the scriptures. We need to stay in the scriptures ourselves. All this about the busyness and the pace and everything that Brother Shirley and Brother Miller said, I've been living it. 
and, and my soul has become unhealthy. But when I spend time in God's presence and in God's word, that's not time wasted, by the way. That's not time wasted. I might waste two hours watching a ball game, especially if you're a Tennessee fan. But any time you spend in God's presence and God's word is not wasted. And I'll be honest with you, there are days when I read it and it's just, you know, it's not happening. You ever had those days? Just keep reading it. God just wants to know if you really want to hear from him. You remember, he was about to leave those two on the road to Emmaus. He made that he would go on by. They said, hey, come on, stay with us. Look, if you want God to stay with you, as Moses said, Lord, we don't want to go without you. Would you just show us your glory? Then Moses comes off the mountain, chapter 34 and verse 29. And it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with two of the tables of testimony in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while they talked with him. There was a radiance about him. His face was shining. What was it shining with? It was shining with the glory of God. And it was so, it was so bright, they had to put a veil over his face before the people uh, could talk to him. But by the way, Moses didn't even know it. Well, that's when God can use us the most, when we're just not aware of ourselves. When we're not aware of ourselves, we're just aware of him. And then I want you to see in chapter 35, and Moses, with the glory of God on his face, gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel together and said unto them, these are the words which the Lord hath commanded that ye should do them. You see, when Moses came down, he had seen the glory. Not only had he seen the glory, but he was shining with the glory. You know, they saw Peter and John. They were unlearned men, fishermen. And what does the Bible say? They took note of them that they had been with Jesus. They'd seen the glory. And because they saw the glory, they were shining with the glory. And once they saw the glory, and once they were shining with the glory, guess what they were able to do? They were able to speak of the glory. That's when he gathered all the congregation and said unto them, these are the words which the Lord hath commanded. And what do you think he told them about? I'm going to tell you what he told them about. He told them about the Lord who was merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth. The emphasis has been on the health of our soul. It will continue to be on that. May God help us to enter into his presence. May God help us to get a glimpse of his glory. May God shine and radiate that glory from us, and may we be faithful to speak it to those that we love and that God has placed under our care, and God will lead us into the land of his inheritance. Thank you for listening. We hope that the Lord has used this message to speak to you. The REST Conference is a meeting designed to encourage and strengthen pastors, missionaries, evangelists, and their wives, along with other Christian workers serving the Lord in their local churches. 
Rest 2020 is scheduled for September 7th through 9th at the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. We hope that you and your spouse will make plans to join us. For more information about Rest, go to our website, therestconference.com.